Welcome to the Mad Writers Union. Speculative destruction, one episode at a time. I'm Jay Wolf. I'm Tim Berger. I'm Nina Niskanen. And I'm Stephen Silver. Today we are joined by the illustrious Stephen H. Silver, author, Yay. editor, Jeopardy contestant. <laughs> and we're going to be champion. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to dive into that. I think we should. (laughs) (laughs) Events director for Sifwa, ShyCon 7, that's right? ShyCon 2000. 2000. ShyCon 2000 programming director, ShyCon 7 vice chair. Thank you. (laughs) I lost my words. You wear a lot of hats is what we're saying. I've done a lot. And, You've and done also... a lot. Yes, you have. <laughs> you also <laughs> edited The Art of the Con, which was... It was a fanzine back in 2009 looking at uh, different aspects of convention running. So articles by several different major convention runners looking at everything from how to run a dealer's room to how to do programming to uh, how to build your the best film festival you possibly can. Awesome. Seems cool. Like kind of all around great resource for that application. Yeah, that's kind of interesting because we're. I think all of us are. Well, at least all of us on uh, uh, Jay and Nina and I are probably still feeling some kind of Worldcon hangover. It seems <laughs> <laughs> we're just out of it. Oh, uh, yeah. But I, I think part of our experience at Worldcon is that we had some very good panels that we went to. We saw some outstanding panels. I personally saw a couple of very good moderators, which in and of itself seems to be an art form. And uh, I think that's what we're here to talk about today, right? That's, that's yeah, mostly. About other things. I, I'd, I'd like to start, <laughs> since Stephen has a lot of experience with doing panels and, and also moderating panels, uh, I'd like to start with how to be a good panelist. Ah. Okay, yeah. how to be a good panelist. <laughs> AKA Just the question as, I really you know, could have used light. before I got to Worldcon. <laughs> Jay, you were okay, fine. Well, actually, actually uh, going back to uh, the art of the con, uh, one, of the, the, one of the few articles I actually wrote for it was a list on how to be a better panelist. Awesome. Um, and these were just some points that I came across over the years looking at other panelists going, oh, my God, why is he doing that? <laughs> um, you know, so it started out as a list of don'ts. And then I thought, you know, I probably should make it a little bit more positive than that. Um, so now I think it's a list of like 11 do's and 11 don'ts just to keep things even. Um, and it's things like, you know, be- prepare for the panel. Um, a lot of people say, oh, well, I can go in and I can BS about whatever the panel topic is. But doing that, you're doing a disservice to yourself, to the people who came to hear the panel, to the people who are putting on the con. You really do want to spend some time ahead of time thinking about what the panel is going to be. Do you have any points to get across? If there's one particular point that you want to make, make sure you know what it is going into the panel. You know, one of the things that I hate is um, when I go to a panel, especially one that I've constructed because I was running programming, and I hear a panelist say, I don't know why I'm on this panel. Uh, <laughs> um, that's the worst. And um, it is the worst. And what you should do is, if you honestly don't know why you're on the panel, uh, contact the people running programming and ask them. They probably have a reason. Uh, it might be a lousy reason. Uh, we need a warm body. Uh, in, which case, in which case, you can then say, please take me off this panel. And they will, in most cases. Uh, it might be a reason that they saw something in your bio that struck them as being germane to the conversation. Um, at ShyCon 2000, 
we recorded about a hundred of the panels that we did. And I was listening to one of the recordings and I heard somebody use the, I don't know why I'm on this panel. And I went back to their uh, programming questionnaire and I pulled it out and I said, thought, you're on this panel because you suggested the panel and said, I would really like to do a panel on. <laughs> so a lot of people actually, a lot of people actually seem to do that just as a shtick. So. Right. Wow. So it, they weren't even really interested. They just did that. They just they wanted just... to be on programming that badly. Well, well, they, they, it's just their shtick to say, I don't know why I'm on this panel. Oh, it gets okay. the audience oh. on your side in a little way because right, now sure. the audience is thinking, well, whatever they say, they weren't planning on being here. They didn't really want to be on this one. The, you know, they're toughing it out. Oh, that's different, right. though. Well, now I have a new perception of anybody here now that's going to say <laughs> that on a panel. I'm, I'm trying to end people from saying that, yes. <laughs> um, um, another, you know, use the microphone. Um, people have a tendency mm-hmm. to think that they speak louder than they really do, and they don't realize that your voice isn't going to carry to the back of the room. Right. Yeah, um, there's, there's also a very specific technique uh, to being able to project your voice to the pack, back of the room. Like Mary Robinette Kowal does this whole class Ding. on... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we we have this thing it's where Mary every... gets mentioned every single podcast yeah. and... No, no, that's quite all right. Quite all right. Actually, I, I, it reminds me that I have to get in touch with Mary. We're supposed to get together for dinner soon. Aww. Oh, excellent. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yes, anyway, Mary, sorry. Mar- Mary has this whole class that she's taught at several conventions about how to uh, do a reading, basically, in a way that allows you to be heard by everyone in the room. Yeah. Right. But but Mary's also a professional, and most yes. of the people who get up there are not. This right? is true. Um, <laughs> so use the microphone. For those of us who are are have hearing or audio uh, issues, um, people who don't use the microphone really feel um, disrespectful of their audience. Often, when I go to a panel, there's not enough microphones. Is there some sort of microphone sharing etiquette that makes sense, or? Well, generally, you know, whoever's speaking should be holding the microphone. I find that usually works best. Well, okay. Um, uh, the reason why I ask this is I, I've seen sometimes, well, obvious. Okay. I've just, okay. Yeah, All right. people so the reason why I ask this is that I've seen people where they, they have the microphone in hand and they're supposed to be sharing it with others. And in the audience, I can see that the other person wants to say something. But the person who has the microphone isn't, you know, budging. Yeah, they're not really <laughs> sharing. They're not. Okay, well, you have two. Th- you have two things going on there. Okay. Uh, three things. One, the person with the microphone is a git. <laughs> um, two, they were an only child and never learned how to share. <laughs> um, and three, more seriously, is when you're sitting on the panel, you're sitting next to everybody. Mm-hmm. And you you tend to look out towards the audience if you're not actually when you're speaking, um, unless you're responding directly to somebody. They very well may not be aware that there's somebody at the other end of the table who's reaching their arm out going, "Give me that microphone! Give me that microphone!" I mean, you know, uh, Nina and I were on a panel together at uh, WorldCon, and Nina was on my right. She was the and, and at the end of the panel, and so when she was speaking, Nina, you know, was probably aware of me in her peripheral vision. But I don't know how aware you would have been when you were speaking of the three people to my left. My guess is you couldn't see them very well. No, 
not really. <laughs> Especially, um, geez, I'm uh, so Jared, bad. all the way at the far end. Well, Jared right. and and the uh, woman seated on the other side of you. Ah, uh, Chris. No. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That we had, yeah, two, had two Chris's. I had two Chris's on the yeah. panel. <laughs> yeah. So so Chris and Jared were were really not visible to me because Chris, the other Chris was le- leaned all the way forward, so I could see the two of you. <laughs> right, but but you know, fortunately, we had three or four microphones on that table, so it wasn't an issue. If we had only had one. When Nina was talking, she would have been focused on the microphone. She would have been focused on the audience. She would have caught the other one of the Chris's and me out of her peripheral vision. But the other two panelists, Jared and Chris, if they really wanted the, mic- the one microphone, it would have been difficult for them to get Nina's attention. Yeah. Now, part of the role of the moderator is to make sure that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily to cut Nina off in that case. Not that that would have been necessary. Nina was a great panelist, but but to try to edge the conversation along so that the microphone could be moved down to somebody else, which leads to one of my other don'ts. Don't monopolize the conversation. Yeah. Right. Sure. It's, it's unfortunate because I've seen uh, a lot of good panel topics get derailed by people that come there with a, a bit of an, an agenda. I mean, that's just a point to make, but they kind of come with an agenda. I, yeah, I'm not mentioning anything specifically or recently. Um, I was but actually yes, thinking years back to a panel that I went to um, at uh, Convergence where this, this person got on there and just ran roughshod over the, the entire panel. And it was un- unfortunate because it, it was interesting. It was about uh, taking fanfic and, and trying to translate that into, into uh, a career or something like that. So anyway. Yeah, um, and again, you know, that's something that the moderator needs to watch out for mm-hmm. uh, when somebody starts to monopolize it, when somebody starts to go off on a tangent, when somebody starts to um, bring their own uh, agenda to a panel, whether it's, you know, appropriate or not, um, they need to cut it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens at every convention. You know, there's always going to be a couple of cases where you have somebody up there who uh, really feels the need to to take over a panel. Um so, and I'm, you know, I mean, I, I know that there was an incident of the, with that at the Worldcon. There were actually a couple of other cases that, you know, didn't get as much play that I'm aware of. Sure. Uh, that went on there. Um, you know, one of which uh, I, I know of an author who was on a panel who felt attacked by somebody who had a very specific agenda. Um, and she felt that uh, what this person was saying was pretty much negating her entire career. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, and, you know, again, that's something that the moderator needs to be aware of. Uh, just because people are on the panel doesn't necessarily mean that everybody has the same background, doesn't have the same qualifications to be on that panel. Right. And whereas you want everybody to be in the conversation, you also want to be aware of, you know, who, you know, I, I know that people dislike the idea of argument from authority, but there are cases where somebody with authority has, a, should have a stronger say in the conversation. Right. Sure. If you're talking about editing an anthology and uh, you have Ellen Datlow on the panel and you have me on the panel and you have somebody who's never edited anything. And I've only edited three or, well, I guess about six, ten. I've edited a, a couple, about a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Look at the math. I've edited oh, a few. Oh, more, than I, more than I realized. Well, um, we're just going to start rounding further up as it goes along. So, But, but you know, obviously I am nowhere in... Ellen's class of editor. 
Um, so on a panel like that, I'm definitely going to defer to Ellen mm-hmm. um, because she has the experience. You know, she she she's much better at it than I am. Uh, but at the same time, the person who has never edited an anthology might have some very interesting things to say, but they don't have the experience that Ellen, certainly not that Ellen has and not even the little experience that I have. So mm-hmm. since we've uh, segued into panel moderation, I've noticed in most panels that I've seen or attended, there tends to be one or two audience members who pretty much think that they should be on the panel and (laughs) act accordingly. (laughs) How, as a moderator, do you sidestep that? Okay, well, there are a couple of ways. One, I I think it was on the panel that you and I were on, but it may have been a different panel. Very early on, about 10 minutes into the panel, somebody raised their hand. And I just looked at them and said that there would be time for questions at the end, and I didn't recognize them beyond that. Right. Certain panels are designed to be a conversation with the audience. Other panels are meant to be a discussion amongst the the panelists. And part of it is that as a moderator, you get a feel for what kind of panel this is going to be. And so you just, you don't call on people. If somebody just starts talking, you point out that they're not on the panel and there will be time for questions at the end. Right. I know one moderator uh, who takes a very heavy-handed approach. And at the very beginning, he says, there will be time for questions at the end. Just to make it clear, a question is a short sentence (laughs) that ends in an interrogative. And usually begins with a who, what, where, why, or when. This is Mike Cole, isn't he? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's not. It's actually not Mike. No? Um, uh, because you know. this sounds like this sounds like Teresa's. Also, I I heard one. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's that several similar. people have picked up on it. Um, yeah. And, and all questions uh, must know, be in the form of a question. Exactly, because it's too <laughs> easy for sentence. people to get up there and you know um, bloviate. Mm-hmm. As the moderator. And the guy with the microphone, you have a lot of power if you choose to wield it. Right. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I've seen uh, uh, Stephen Bruce do when he sometimes he'll get on a panel and he wants to be the moderator. Not necessarily that he's coming from a position of understanding the subject. It's usually that he comes there with an inquisitive mind. And... I, I think that may that to me that seems like a, a good approach to take as a moderator. Um, well, people are made moderators for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. One of them is that they know the person who's running programming knows them and knows that they do a good job. They don't necessarily need to know the topic. In some cases, it helps if they don't know the topic because although the moderator can be part of the panel, they're not necessarily one of the panelists. If that right. makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're there to guide the conversation. And so a moderator who doesn't guide the, con- who isn't part of the conversation, but can just guide it really is frequently the strongest type of moderator. And in that case, what you have to do is do a little bit of research ahead of time so that you have some idea about the topic and, you know, the areas that people are going to want to talk about. Make sure you know who's on the panel with you. And then listen. Uh, listen to what people are saying. Um, Again, I'm going to use the panel that I did with Nina at Worldcon as the example. Um, (laughs) It was a strange topic, and I wasn't entirely clear what we were supposed to be discussing. I don't think any of us were. No. (laughs) And I don't think anybody else was either. And uh, in the week or so before Worldcon, Nina sent out an email saying, Hey, this is Nina. You know, Tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you guys want to discuss? And I responded with a little bio and saying, Okay, you know let's talk about what we think this panel is supposed to be about. And I started to make notes. Um, and because the 
panel was so amorphous, and frankly, it was a panel where I'm not entirely clear why any of the five of us were on it. <laughs> um, I started out with the simple expedient of asking the panelists to define what they thought the panel was about. Um, and then, as they were talking, I was listening to what they all were saying, I was taking notes, so that when we got past that first round of definitions, I had topics that I could talk to that were raised by the way people were defining the panel. Yeah, I actually thought that that was really well done. I enjoyed that panel immensely, and I I did get the same impression that it, that it was very much just sort of four different viewpoints on an interesting question, and and I liked that a lot. Well, thank you. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, the reason we go to panels is to be educational, to be informative, and to be fun. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, I try to keep that in mind. Um, and there are panels that are meant to be heavy and serious, and there are panels that are meant to be light. And usually you know what it is going in. Um, I was on a panel at, at a convention out in Boston a few years ago. It was a great panel. It would have been a fantastic panel on Friday evening or a Saturday afternoon. But they scheduled us for, like, 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Oh. <laughs> oh. And, as a person and, and who attended really... some early Sunday panels, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, no, no, I don't have a problem with early. I'm, I'm an early riser. Um, early Sunday, though, everyone's so... gone. Right, well, you know, we actually had a good-sized room. The problem was four of us were in the, it's the last day of the convention, we're tired, right. you know, yeah. let's have fun with this. And then there was the panelist who actually took had taken notes and had <laughs> lists oh, no. and really wanted to discuss it seriously. <laughs> And the rest of us were just kind of goofing because it was a 10 a.m. Sunday morning panel. You know, people were still, you know, in their pajamas drinking coffee in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, we, we goofed around for about the first half hour or so, at which point I said, okay, and, and now we're going to let this one panelist uh, take us, you know, to a more serious spot. And, you know, we, we ran through the list that he had created and, and we discussed it seriously. But, you know, it's just given the time and, and the place and everything. It, it, it was not the best time for that particular panel to be scheduled. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, that happens. But I think people in the audience didn't enjoy it and and get a kick out of it. So So, um, you talked about the role of the moderator as a sort of a person who keeps things going. But on the other hand, sometimes moderators come from people who are passionate about the topic that they, they are going to be talking on. And how, when, when that happens to you, how do you keep from sort of taking over the whole panel for yourself, given that you have, you wield this awesome power? Um, well, first of all, if somebody is that passionate, they really should not be the moderator. Right. Um, but I know that it happens for a variety of reasons. Um, Unfortunately, if they're that passionate and and they're uh, monopolizing the conversation that much, it's going to take a revolt by the rest of the panelists to get the microphone away from them. Um, <laughs> and, and a lot of panelists won't do that. You know, they they'll let the person go on, and on and on. Um, uh, but un- unfortunately, there there really isn't a good way to stop a moderator who's decided to go rogue. Sorry, it's a lousy answer, but it's a bad situation. How do you notice that about yourself, that you're going on and on? That's a good question. Well, for one real thing, at one point I just realized, oh my God, nobody else has said anything for a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> I better shut up and give somebody else a chance. Um, it does. It takes a certain amount of self awareness, though. Though to right. do that, um, I, I like to think that when I'm on a panel, I have that. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I don't have a problem with you. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, <laughs> no, uh, no. Can we start this? Um, <laughs> no, it, it's a, it's a matter of being self aware, being aware of how much you're talking, and whether or not other people are talking. Using your peripheral vision, because remember, I'm staring out at the audience and at the microphone, to, to realize that the people on either side of me are getting really fidgety and, yeah. and, and, and trying to, to reach for the microphone, a knife, a rope, you know, anything that comes Other in. clue you weapons. Know, if, if I'm dodging, yeah, if I'm dodging uh, uh, water glasses that are flying across, it's usually a pretty good sign. Um, at which point you just kind of sit back and look around and say, would anybody like to rebut that? Yeah. yeah I was going to say that my experience as a first-time panelist was that I often was trying to get whatever thing I was going to say out as quickly as possible <laughs> to yield the floor while still like making sure that I'm speaking clearly and enunciating well enough that someone can hear me. <laughs> yeah. But I can't imagine right. like like that I felt that pressure of other people need to talk very, very much. Um yeah, and actually, as a, as a moderator, that's one of the things to be aware of. Uh, people come into it with different levels of experience, different levels of comfort. Um, I try to make myself aware of that either by meeting with them beforehand or even just during the, you know, when we were up at the front at the beginning introducing ourselves to each other. And if somebody seems shy, I try, I go out of my way to try to bring them into the conversation. Um, you know, uh, I, I try to be as welcoming as I can to the other panelists as I can be. Yeah, I've seen the weird situation, too, where the, the there's a moderator and the panelists are actually good friends with each other, and they sometimes get into a conversation. And as interesting as that conversation is, sometimes it, it's kind of a disservice to the other panelists. Um, yeah, it can be. On the other hand, I was once in one of the strangest moderating situations I've ever found myself in. Uh, very early on in my con running uh, experience... Uh, probably back in the 90s, uh, or my con my uh, programming experience back in the 90s, I found myself as the moderator on a panel that was just uh, Jack Chalker and Mike Resnick. <laughs> uh, wow. Who have been friends for years, and I wasn't really sure why they felt the need to put me on as a moderator, so I sat between the two of them, and at the beginning I introduced Jack and I introduced Mike, and I did not say a word for the rest of the hour. <laughs> Sure. But it was a great place to yeah. be. <laughs> Best seat in the house. So yeah. yeah. Seriously. All right. Cool. Let's see here. We have any other? Checking to see if I had anything else I was like really curious about before um... we get into Jeopardy questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will not be asking questions in the form of Jeopardy questions. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Although that happens, uh, one of the women I work with does a training session at the office, and I brought in for about half an hour to discuss what my um, what my team does, and she's gotten into the habit of sharing that fact with them before I come in, and invariably they start asking me trivia questions when I open the floor up for questions about what my team does. <laughs> Doesn't put me on the spot or anything. <laughs> All right. <laughs> awesome. You've been very efficient in answering answering several <laughs> several questions that we had. In, yeah. In... Do you have anything that that we didn't touch on that you think might be uh, important for our our varied and sundry listening audience? 
Um, well, um, as we mentioned, I did do a uh, fanzine on how to run a convention, which does have three different articles on um, moderating panels, mm -hmm. as well as my article on being a better panelist. Um, they're available on my website, Argentus. Um, I've sent you guys the link in the notes on, on yep, here. Yep, adding it to so our, can, our notes now, so actually. So you can toss that up. Um, and so people can take a look at that. Pay attention to... Um, people should pay attention to moderators they think are good. Uh, one of the problems with moderators is... Nine out of ten moderators think that they're really good moderators. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure. And we know we know that the number isn't that high. Um, I feel, honestly, that I'm an adequate moderator. Um, I've had a lot of people tell me that I'm a good moderator, so I have a tendency towards believing them. Uh, a lot of them are people I respect. Um, but I always assume that there's room for improvement uh, when it comes to being a moderator. Uh, I can do a better job. I know that I've been in situations where I've been with panelists who I've had a very difficult time to moderate. And so I kind of view that as a challenge, uh, uh, trying to figure out how I would moderate them if I'm ever on a panel with them again. Mm -hmm. um, That's a good yeah. strategy. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, just as a moderator, being aware that it's not about me, um, it's about the panel, it's about the other panelists. And uh, if, I, as a moderator, I can make everybody up there look good, I'm doing my job. Yeah. That yeah. As an also. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I was just going to say, as an audience member, I've actually actually uh, actively start, started to seek out people who I consider who are good moderators, regardless of what topic that they're on, because it, it just seems that you get a, gr uh, a good moderator in any panel, they can just make things better. They're elevating the subject, um, and everybody looks good with a good moderator, so... So that's my opinion. I, I there's a couple that I'm I keep my eye on for now if if I see them at a convention. So, well, those two comments sound very much like a summary of the entire <laughs> episode. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how it works out like that. Huh. Yes, funny, funny that. So, Stephen, have you read any good books lately? Uh, yeah, uh, one of the books that I finished uh, not too long ago that I really quite enjoyed, I enjoy most of the books written by this author, is uh, Guy Gavriel Kay's Children of Earth and Sky. <laughs> I want that. And, and, and um, Jay just went H. <laughs> and that's like, it's going to so happen Guy, like Guy tends to write, um, I would call them historical fantasies, except that they're set in an alternate world uh, that's based very closely on ours, but it allows him to play around with it in ways that you couldn't play around with it if it were a straight uh, history. And this one actually has a lot more fantastic elements than he frequently includes. Sure. It's set during uh, an analog of our Renaissance period amongst trading cities in what would be the Adriatic area, um, with uh, his Italian analogs uh, traveling to... Uh, his analog of Byzantium, which has only recently fallen to his analog of uh, the Muslims. And uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful book. <laughs> nice. All right. Excellent. I know it's a lousy synopsis, no. but it, it, it's a great no, book. No, it's actually... This is already going to be more detailed than mine, so... <laughs> Tim, what book What book have you been reading? Uh, well, I've got a, several that I'm kind of going through right now because I'm kind of in, uh, in that phase of reading for 
uh, what's the best word for this? Studying or something like that for research. For research. Thank you. Research reading. Um, but one of the novels I'm kind of going through, uh, partly research, par partly just because um, I want to, is Player Piano by Kurt Vonnegut. And um, if you're not familiar with this, it's near future society uh, thing. That, well, it was written uh, back in, I don't know, says 52 here. So it, it it's basically a class struggle between wealthy and the laborers who have been displaced by automation. And there's a lot of satire in there in the classic Vonnegut way, and I'm really enjoying it. So there we go. Player piano, Kurt Vonnegut Jr. Uh, so, Jay, what have you been reading lately? Oh, God. What? Oh, this is such a terrible question. I hate it every time. <laughs> it just makes my stomach go like... <laughs> um... So I've read 120 stories so far for Uncanny oh. Slush. I actually have to modify that. I have read 120 stories for the Hugo Award-winning Uncanny Magazine <laughs> Slush. So far in our slush season, and we still have a month to go. So um, yes, my brain is mush, but I have read very recently in my... I guess we're like still on the like comfort food train, and I don't know what I'm getting off. Um, CJ Cherry's Down Below Station, a oh. uh, vintage Hugo Award winner of many, many moons ago. Uh, I would say at this point we class it as a classic space opera, mm -hmm. galactic scale, wonderful space captains and subterfuge. Oh. <laughs> and I don't want to talk any more than that because my brain's dead. <laughs> it, it, it looked like you were having a moment there too. Was just... I was having a little bit of a moment, just a little. Just a little bit of a moment. <laughs> a little bit. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's one of those books that I go back to kind of over and over again. Um, I, I originally read it when I was in probably like middle school or high school, which is maybe not the most appropriate age to read that book. But um, <laughs> I, I had read it and like consumed it and internalized it and then forgot all details about it. <laughs> so... It's one of those books that people, when I tell them the kind of things that I write, they're like, oh, have you read? And I'm like, yes, I've read it. <laughs> but for a long time, I was like, oh, I don't think I've read that one. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of astonishing when I bought it on Amazon a couple of years ago in the like $4 paperback because I buy all my books secondhand on Amazon. Um and uh, so it was. It was a penny plus three ninety nine shipping. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. So um, then I read it, and I'm like, I have read this book before. <laughs> I think it's interesting how many books we've read that we don't remember any details, but we remember just remember the feeling that that yeah. book gave us when we first yeah. read yes. it. I I just yes. recently finished one that was exactly like that. I was like, oh, I read this. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was discussing uh, Heinlein's Moon is a Harsh Mistress with somebody at work the other day, and I remember enjoying the book when I first read it, Yeah, but I couldn't remember, I could only remember a handful of details mm -hmm. about sure. it, and, and you yeah. know, she was going on about it because she just read it, and I'm going, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's mine. Seize your cherry, down below station. Nina, what have you been up to? What you well, reading? I've been reading something very brand new. Very brand new. Jesus. <clears throat> have I mentioned that I have a tendency to overuse words? 
anyway, that's uh, all right. <laughs> I, I I read uh, Sean and Maguire's Once Broken Faith, which which just came out today, which her latest uh, book in the October October Day series, and it's a return to the good old murder mystery type tale for her. Which oh, my is sister's awesome. gonna be so excited. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. Sean Maguire, uh, once broken faith. You need to read the <laughs> Yes. How many the... how many Toby Day books are there? Because I know there are like a million. I think I, this I... is the tenth. I lost track a long I'm time. I'm pretty ago. sure it's the tenth. I know I haven't read them all. I read the first two, I think. But my sister loves those books, so I'm I love that. those books. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. Excellent. Alrighty. So, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh where can well, where you. can people find you online? Uh besides Argentus, which we are going to include in the uh we're not going to make you read the Yeah, you don't need to read that whole thing off <laughs> we got. I, I was counting on that. Um well, well, I'll also make sure that you guys have a link to, to my review site. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I pretty much do, you know, I do Facebook. I don't really tweet. Um, about once or twice a year, I'll tweet out information about the Sidewise Awards. Um, I maintain the um, uh, the news page for uh, SF Site News. Um, and I'll give you guys that uh, link also, uh, which, you know, usually gets updated uh, as, as frequently as necessary. Sometimes many times in one day, <laughs> um, I'll post news stories. Um and uh, that's pretty much it. You know, just kind of hang around out there. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you for okay. joining us. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, thank you. This has been the Mad Writers Union. Now let's get to work. Our intro music is Cephalopod, and our interlude music is Exotics, both by Kevin McLeod at IncomTech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Hey there, we hope you enjoyed this. I'm being moderated about the length of the credits, and I should just cut to the chase. So in that vein, you can reach us at our website, MadWritersUnion.com. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash the Mad Writers Union. You can tweet to us on our Twitter handle at Mad Writers Union. And last but not least, you can email us at madwritersunion at gmail.com. If you enjoy our podcast and want to help spread the word, please leave a review at iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast repository. And be sure to catch our exclusive panel on lair building at Mad Writer Con, which is you know, sometime. We're still working on the. <clears throat> anyway, sorry. Did, did you mention Art of the Con? Was that I already did mentioned? not. No. <laughs> yeah. You already... Uh, already. <laughs> You're already off track. It's delightful. <laughs> you also edited. <laughs> see see how that got fused together? Yeah. Dovetailed nicely.